Did I start too soon? Welcome back to another episode of Tinfoil Hat. Come with me into the waters of conspiracy with Sam Tripoli. Tripoli. Sam Tripoli. Mr. Sam Tripoli. Sam Tripoli. With my friend Ryan Davis. Uh, hi, Ryan. We have a very special guest. Steve Lee. Hold up there, partner. Oh, playing the wrong one. Fuck it. Hi, welcome <laughs> to, uh, that was an old one. I got so many things on me. Welcome to another Tin Foil Hat. I know you guys love that intro and I just messed that up, but it is what it is. We roll with the punches. Welcome to another episode of Tin Foil Hat. Super excited to have you guys back. As always, you know who I am. And with me is my partner in crime, XG in the place to be. I hope you guys enjoyed the last episode. I know it's some dark stuff, but I think it needs to get talked about. A lot of great stuff going on in the world today. A lot of great stuff. The show is just growing and growing and growing. Uh, and it's thanks to our sponsors, Bet DSI. Bet, no, actually, I did that last episode. Give it up for our friends at Caveman Coffee. I'm really off, and I'm sorry about that, everybody, because I feel like a million dollars. Caveman Coffee. Uh, go to cavemancoffee.com. Use the promo code Punch, I mean, excuse me, tinfoil hat, and you will get 15. I'm, I'm butchering. Man, you're off. You need some of this coffee, I don't man. Know you why. got the song wrong. I got here you got late. I didn't even wrong. get the coffee, man. It's, it's going to be a great. From here on, I'm batting a 1,000. Go to cavemancoffee.com. Use the promo code tinfoil hat, and you will get 15% off your purchase. They got coffees. They got teas. They got everything. They got pods. They those, got, those Instapods? Yeah. If you're a lazy motherfucker, you just throw the pot I on there. I love it, man. I love Caveman Coffee. They load me up. They're a sponsor of the uh, comedy chaos that goes on. And they're, you know, you know, Tate Fletcher's been my friend for about 20 years. And this is a real deal company. These guys are, they're going up against the big boys. And they're a great company. And they're fighting the fight. So if you'd like to support independent uh, businesses, go support my good friends at CavemanCoffee.com. Uh, we got t-shirts, my man. T-shirts. T-shirts. Let them know which one it is. Boom. We're very excited. Uh, we got the silver and black Ronin. It's one of my favorite shirts ever. XG was nice enough to go out there, get the Raider logo, throw a nice little... Uh, uh, there we go. Look at that. And now I'm going to be making some special ones <coughs> with the ru- rules of the Ronin on the back. Okay? We're going to do that. We got the lizard one. Look at that. We got that in green, dude. Uh, and then we also have Eddie Bravo shirts. So every month I put up a new shirt for you guys. So I hope you enjoy that. Check out the Patreon. Go to Patreon. It's a great way to support the show. Your show helps grow. We are looking to do our own studio so that I could do like more Patreons. If I can't get to this studio, boom, I go do the other studio and uh, bring another conspiracy theorist in there. So that's where we're working on. You You supporting the Patreon helps make the show go. Uh, I got my co- conspiracies now. Uh, the Secret Side of the Mad Hatters. Uh, my live, uh, you know, my truth bombs. They're all on there for you guys. And we're doing it. So, and we have a very special thing. If you, uh, if you sign up for speedweed.com, he will pay one month of your Patreon, $5 Patreon. He will hook you up so you can be a friend and he will help you out. So that's where that's at. We got so many shows coming up. Uh, I have a show tomorrow night at the Ice House with Brian Redband. 
And then I'm at the comedy store as well. Following night, I'm at the Ice House, okay, with uh, Red Band. I'm at the Ice House. No, that's Saturday night. I'm at the Ha Ha. And then Sunday night, we're doing a very special show for my friend Anna Land. Uh, she took her own life, and which is super sad. You should never do that. You should always call somebody and talk to them, man. This too shall pass, man. I've had so many down moments in my life, and I'm living the best life I've ever had. And this, this too shall pass, okay? Don't do a permanent solution to a temporary problem. This is the best time to be alive. When you get depressed, when you get sad, that's your body or even angry telling you got to change it up. Help somebody. Talk to somebody. Do something, man. Don't do that, man, because it's, it's, it's a wonderful blessing gift to be alive, and we should all enjoy it, okay? So um, that, and then uh, March 16th, I'm excited to announce the one and only XG will be joining me at Tiff's Ale and Grill, okay? They got a comedy club upstairs, and uh, we sold the first one show. It's still sold out. Everybody's got the tickets, so guess what? Boom. We're adding another show. Those tickets will go too. Go grab your tickets now. XG, myself, dropping hammer for the children, dog. For the children. I'll let you guys pick what shirt you come out with. I'm going to start putting that poll out. What <laughs> shirt do you guys want? I can bring Tim Fall hats for the children, lizard people. Oh, actually, I mean, I'm bringing stickers too. I haven't told you, but a little surprise. I'm bringing some stickers for right. the people. Hey, dude. I'll stamp I'm them in, everywhere. I'm into whatever you want, dog. Do I'm it. in. Uh, so that's the business. Thank you guys for all your support. This show uh, makes me so happy and we're always working hard. Um, I'm very excited about this episode. Uh, it's definitely what I want to start doing more of. I love that the world, I love the world. It's not necessarily conspiracy, but it is what we say falls under, um, what falls under unreported news. What is going on in the world? There's so much that Rachel Maddow's and everybody on Fox doesn't tell you. And this uh, next guest is uh, a big part of I think he's doing some pretty, uh, pretty amazing things. Please welcome to the stage the transhumanism candidate for president, Zoltan Istar. Did I do it? <laughs> pretty close. Pretty close. And, and, that, that's good enough. Yeah, for Sam, world, pretty close. I'm a grenade, bro. If I get close <laughs> enough, I rock out. How are you, Zoltan? Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm doing well. Uh, so, um, so you are the transhumanist candidate for president. How is that campaign going? Because we're two years out. What are we? A year out? For, what are we? Two years from the election? Two years. Two years. How's it going? Well, so so first off, actually, I I haven't declared officially oh. my candidacy. Do it yet. on the show. Do it on the show, dude. <laughs> no, no. I uh, need a bump. We. I'm in a period. So I was the 2016 presidential nominee of the Transhumanist Party. There's a very good chance I'll be running again. I was also the Libertarian candidate Don't for tease governor us. of California. Oh, really, dude? I didn't know but, that. Yeah. So, but, and and I run just basically on a science and technology platform, and I'm, you know, pretty certain to run again in 2020. It's just I'm sussing out the field and uh, getting my wife on board and kids. It's it's tough, man. So you heard it here. And, uh, He's running. He just announced on 10, 4, hat. Guys, uh, I, you were the first. This is the first time I ever heard of uh, transhumanism. Uh, obviously, we know trans. I live uh, by a block <laughs> where they like to eat donuts. But transhumanism <laughs> is much different. What is transhumanism? 
Sure, it's it sounds strange, but it's a social movement of people that want to use science and technology to radically modify the human body and also to modify the human experience. And it can be anything from um, like a, a person in a wheelchair getting out of it because they're using an exoskeleton suit. It can be brain implants that allow you to connect directly to a computer. It can even be things just like driverless cars or having robot nannies or things like that. But whatever it is, it's radical science and technology dramatically changing your life. And it's always like the top 10% most fringe of science and technology out there. Why is that? Why does the, well, does this scare people? What was considered transhumanism even just 15 years ago, let's say robotic hearts, has become much more commonplace. And so now we're looking at transhumanism in terms of artificial intelligence or genetic editing, giving you a third or fourth arm, these kinds of things. It's always, it's kind of a movement that kind of is always on the verge between science fiction and where reality is. So uh, how did you get into this whole thing? I mean, obviously you must have a love for science, but like, how did you get into transhumanism? It's such an interesting topic. So, you know, I was a journalist at National Geographic for many years, and I had a very close call in Vietnam when I almost stepped on a landmine and almost died. And it got me thinking about, and I was only in my 20s at the time, it got me thinking about, well, is there some way out there to overcome death? Now, I'm kind of a non-believer. I don't believe in an afterlife. And I, you know, I looked around, I, all of a sudden I said, wow, there's an entire movement around the world of people, scientists, mostly engineers, that want to overcome biological death with science and technology. That's transhumanism's number one goal. But what's happened is as the science has progressed, it's gotten a bigger and bigger movement, which once had just tens of thousands of people now has many millions around the world. Where are the hotbeds of transhumanism? Is there like a epicenter, a Mecca? Is it the United States, Germany, yeah. China, Japan? Well, Who's really pushing it? It's Mecca is in, in Silicon Valley, for sure. You know, if you if you ask Google employees, probably half of them would say, yeah, I'm, I'm a transhumanist or I subscribe to those ideals. The same thing with Apple. Um, you know, it, it's basically coming out of Silicon Valley. But at this point, China has actually taken a major lead in it because they don't have so many regulations by the government. So they're doing a lot of amazing research that's kind of taking the next step forward. Um, but still, it's a, it's a Silicon Valley rooted kind of movement. Which leads us into our next thing. What is biohacking? Well, biohacking is a term under transhumanism where you essentially put things into your body, generally mechanical, um, that allow you to kind of be more cyborg-like. Like for example, I have a, a, a chip implant in my hand. It allows me to open my front door. It allows me to send a text message. It allows me to do a lot of different things. That's classic biohacking, but it can also be genetic editing where you start modifying your genes so you can live better or live stronger. It can also be nootropics where you take brain drugs and things like that. It's an umbrella term for putting stuff in your body that involves science and technology, but usually not FDA approved. How, how would you send a text? By, uh, by your, uh, yeah. he, you can send a yeah. text by your thing? So mine says, if you come to me close enough with your phone, Mine will send you a text that says win in 2016. I had it set up so that if you swipe your phone near me, um, you get this text. And the new ones, when you can walk into a room, they automatically send a text to everyone who's subscribed to the software. So, so what you're saying is you can put this chip on me or something and I can walk around a music festival or something and anybody who uses their phone would be like 
they start following me on Instagram? That's possible. Hundred percent. The, whoa, the problem whoa, right whoa. now, you just, you know, my you just got the billion. Out, holy shit! <laughs> go on, go on. Sorry, but, but some of them work now within they say ten to fifteen feet. So it's not like the whole stadium can see you yet. But that's coming, maybe in five years. Wow, dude! Now come on. Now, when you start talking on a show, especially named Tim Foil Hat, you start talking about chipping yourself, okay? There's some real uh, dark arts, deep state implications of this, such as tracking you, uh, this movement to get everybody off uh, physical cash money uh, into credit and credit cards and whether it's a cryptocurrency and all that stuff. What are your thoughts on that? Where like people like, uh, like I thought, I, I don't know what country or state it was where they were like, like companies were forcing their people to get chipped. And a lot of people are a little nervous about that. I know I am. Well, I mean, privacy concerns are probably the greatest, you know, issue right now with radical technology because everywhere we look, we're either being filmed or we're being recorded and all these other things. And despite the fact that I come from it kind of from a libertarian perspective, I also realize that a lot of these technologies have made us freer. We, we can do things that we couldn't do before. We can communicate with people instantaneously. I mean, a lot of the Arab Springs has happened because people have access to the internet, all these different technologies. So I think in general, while people are worried about being tracked, we also have to look at the benefits where it has allowed us a lot more freedom to do things. But, you know, nobody's talking about sort of kind of like, you know, uh, putting chips into people uh, in any kind of mandatory way. We're just like, if you like the technology and it makes it more convenient, then it's good. You know, and that's basically my philosophy on it. I get nervous with some of that stuff. What do you, what do the Mexican community think of that? Are they talking chipping? And nah, all that they're stuff? not chipping. Nobody worries no. about the chip. And the only thing they, they like is they chipping still that, They still get that vaccination that leaves that, <laughs> that indent in there. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? It's very interesting. When you were talking about uh, the FDA and how it's not approved, you know, and I have my own theories on the FDA. I'm not necessarily looking at them as the, uh, as some kind of nanny telling me like what's right and wrong. We've seen them approve stuff that we know later on turned, uh, uh, wasn't good for us. And, but is there some kind of, um, when I think biohacking, I don't know why, but I get a little nervous about mad science and, uh, the implications of like super soldiers and the elites having a lot of technology that the masses won't have is, is, there's got to be a lot more concerns with that, right? For as much as you could be, you know, like the whole thing is like, oh, I chip my kid in case he gets lost. I know, well, that's a good thing, but there's also some uh, some other stuff that might not be good, tracking and all that stuff. Your thoughts on that, Zoltan? Well, I think, you know, it's sort of like with shows, like what you're doing right here, where you just got to let people know both sides of the of the story for sure and if they know that there's a chance let's say the government tracks them and follows them and everything else i mean unfortunately the government's already tracking us anyway through our cell phones yeah, and look at all this. these other things so it's it's not necessarily that different but i think the issue is we need to vote into people into office that actually would protect those rights and that also know about these things because you know you'd be surprised a huge amount of congress doesn't even know half the technologies that work because none of them they're too old to even use email let alone like understand chipping technologies some of that stuff so a lot of it's just getting younger people into office and voting in the right people who might make the right laws to either protect you and to make it so that you always have choices about these things and whether you ever have to do them in the first place 
Now, do you have any examples of where like some really cool biohacking stuff has happened? Like there was this guy named Gabriel Lansing, Linsing, L-I-C-I-N-G. He was able to biohack his eye. He took some sort of salt coral from the ocean and was put it in his eye. And now he has night vision. Like it seems like X-Men shit, right? Like it's like. Really, do you know of any other instances of something like that where you're like, wow, that was kind of cool? Well, yeah, no, I mean, I, the, the perhaps the most important one that everyone is working on, there's been a couple people oh. trying to work on like HIV vaccines themselves and things like that. But the really cool one that I think a lot about, so just so your listeners know, about 8,000 people die every day um, from malnutrition, you know, from basically starving to death. And around the world, obviously, a lot of it's in Africa because people don't have enough food. And so now biohackers are trying to actually photosynthesize themselves by changing their DNA so that they can have plant DNA inject into themselves so that they could go out in the sun and literally get energy from it. And that way you wouldn't need to necessarily eat so much food. And you could solve this issue of all these children dying you know, from starvation in places like Africa. This is not happened. So just, you know, this hasn't worked yet, but there are <laughs> universities and there are biohackers working on this, what could be called the holy grail of almost like humanitarian work. Because imagine if you can make it so you don't have to destroy the earth to feed yourselves and you could keep people from starving to death. It's straight up X-Men shit, dog. It's fucking crazy. You'd be right? like half a plant. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if you could smoke yourself. <laughs> right i find that so interesting tell me a little bit about um tell me a little bit about um cybernetics well cybernetics is kind of an old school term for when you start combining synthetic tissues as well as machine parts with your body and so <clears throat> there's a good chance within seven to ten years um you will be able to electively cut off your arm and put on a robotic arm that is more functional than the arm you have now. Already we have lots of veterans who have lost limbs and they get robotic arms and they can pick up a beer just like this and drink from it and they can, and this is, we're talking about an arm that's connected to their brain and it just, it attaches to the neurons. And we already have that technology, but at some point, 10 years, that technology becomes good enough that you might wanna replace your arm with a robotic arm People because you can throw let's say a football a mile long or you're five times stronger let's say you're construction or something like that this is all kind of part of the cybernetic field and happening very soon what is the movements in robo junk for men like <laughs> i mean like i i like what i got but sometimes like man i'd love to be like Boop, 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 and just like, hey, you know, you're with a girl. You're like, what not? What do you wait? It's almost what like, what are you lay, Like, what do you lay in a bed? Like, you know, she's a seven. She's a 74. I'm a 65. I go, boop, 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 and then I, she got what she wants. Yeah, exactly. Are we close she, on that? Could change color as well. Yeah, oh, dude, like a pool lighting. Just like, boop, boop. like, is it? I no, mean, we're, we're not too close on that one yet. And part of the reason is because that's, you know, I think a lot of the sexuality and transhumanism doesn't go that far but <clears throat> clearly the holy grail of sexuality and some people have worked on this is an implant that bypasses bypasses all your sexual parts whatsoever and just directly stimulates it so all day at work you're like oh that's game and, over you know, yeah. endless that way. we're talking about the first trillionaires if they can discover oh that yeah kind of and the end of civilization oh, dude, no one's doing anything i'm after calling that. you in sick <laughs> 
<laughs> but there are companies working on this and because they realize that so many people might be interested in it. So, I mean, like, they've been trying to do this stuff in my research since, like, 1948. That's a very long time. I mean, if you think, when did computers come? When did we get computers? Who knows when actually computers were made? But it's like the 60s, maybe the 70s. So they've been trying to combine flashing with um, machines. Like, I mean, we are an amazing place when we see, like, how, like, somebody who is, like, basically paralyzed can now walk. Dude, it was in 1936, so it took them, like, 12 years to figure out, I got to be, I got to be one of these. Well, got to be one of these what? The first computer was uh was created in uh, 1936. Oh, yeah. So it took them 12 years to figure out, I want to be Oh, yeah, like to hook up computer. with them? Yeah. yeah. So it's just interesting, dude. It's just, wow. what is the future going to look like? Like, what? How, how, how meshed will we become? Well, so now in California, there are two companies. One's called Kernel, uh, led by Brian Johnson. One's called um, Neuralink, led by Elon Musk. Ooh. And they both put in $100 million for implant technology that allows your mind to connect directly to the cloud and be real-time in Google. So you don't just look on your phone like, what direction am I going? You think, what direction am I going? And already, for example, even in Florida, they have these drone races where you fly drones by thinking the thought. A headset connects to your head, it reads the brainwaves, and you, you race drones against other competitors around a track just by thinking it. So... While it's taken some time to get to this point, I think from here on out, based on the evolution and trajectory of the microprocessor, we're going to see radical technology literally every few months. I think I think from this point forward, you're going to be blown away by how quickly things happen. But the problem, like, even if we do have this kind of, you know, brainwave technology, oftentimes it takes 10, 12 years to get through, you know, a government system that will allow you to even use it. So, I mean, you know, this is, this is, uh, Crazy stuff. Yeah, it is crazy stuff, and it doesn't stop there. Have you heard of cryogenics, dude? I mean, like, I've been hearing about this forever. Uh, basically, what is cryogenics? It's the freezing. Uh, uh, basically, you freeze and you stop in time and th so that later on, if they can cure what you got, they bring you back and they can deal with, you know, whether it's cancer or whatever. Is that what, I, is that, is that what we're thinking here? Yeah, it's exactly right. And frankly, it's already happening. There's a few hundred people around the world that have been frozen, some for 10 or 20 years. <clears throat> and the idea is that if you can preserve the body perfectly intact or cl close to it, at some point in the future, we'll be able to revive you. Now, our, our, our vision of death has already been changing in the last 10 or 20 years. For example, there's a hospital right now in the University of Pittsburgh where they literally would take gunshot wound patients and make them die in order to replace their blood with saline solution because it's easier to operate on somebody when they're dead than it is when they're alive, take out all the bullets and then put them back. So right now we can already keep people dead for about four hours before what? bringing them back to life. And now this is a, this is a totally controversial method, but for example, the government did approve this method. Um, and so this has taken place over the last 18 months in a major university right now. We're going to get to that point when this type of solution, this cryogenic procedures can probably keep us 24 hours dead and then bring us back. And then eventually we'll even get to space travel, like all the science fiction movies where you can be one month, five months, a year under and still be brought back perfectly. So hold on. So the, so I, I'm in Pittsburgh getting shot. Obviously the Steelers <laughs> just lost the game. I got a little crazy. I get shot. I go to the hospital. They, they, 
They basically uh, put me to death. But what happens to my brain? Like, that's the whole part about death is that, you know, I think everything else go back. But if your brain doesn't get the oxygen, it starts to, like, decay. So how? what do they do with that? They replace your blood with saline, a, a saline solution, which is super cold. And it preserves your brain so that your brain doesn't actually need oxygen during that period. Um, because it's so cold. That, you know, basically, if you're freezing, nothing disintegrates, including the neurons that make up your mind, that make up your thoughts. I mean, your your thoughts, your feelings, everything is an electrical connection. If you freeze it perfectly intact, then you can keep that. So they cool it down to a temperature where the body is preserved, then it's easier to work out, work on, it's not bleeding out everywhere. And then they fix it and then they, you know, bring that person back, put the blood back in them. And of course, you know, basically I think shock them back to death and uh, shock them back to life and then they live again. But the point though is that we're, when people used to die, we used to say, okay, his heart has stopped, they're dead. And then we said, okay, their brain is dead, stop. We have no electrical signals, they're dead. Now it's not like that. The definition of death is changing as science and technology gets better and better. That is crazy, dude. That's crazy. That's some like scanner shit. They were like, what was that? Uh, that movie back in the dead where somebody would die and they come back and they were a little bit different. Like we're just. I think you would be a little different. I don't think it'd be this. Well, I mean, person. if you're putting saline in, I don't I'm, know. I don't know, dude. That's I don't that's know. that's some intro. I mean, like I always heard the story that Walt Disney's head was cryogenically frozen, and that that's there, and that they're waiting for the technology in which may, what he's talking about is robots dude, would be available. He'd come back and be so happy for what Disneyland is now. He'd oh, like, he'd be like, Fuck. oh my god, I'm I own the world. Yeah, dude. basically. <laughs> I own the world, dude. That's so. So, what is freeze toler tolerance? Well, for, basically, one of the problems with cryonics right now is is when we can freeze you and we can bring your body back and your organs perfectly. The real question is, can we bring back your memories? Because we're not even so sure one hundred percent what memories are consistent with. And so, freeze tolerance is the way that they. Put a special solution in you before they freeze you to try to make it like um, almost like an antifreeze to make it so that those those thoughts, those memories can actually preserve better. And like I said, um, you know, when someone dies, you need to try to freeze them immediately because the body starts decomposing right away. Even though even if it doesn't look like it, the brain starts kind of, you know, and you need to get someone frozen right away under the perfect conditions and of course usually during death nothing's perfect because there's so much emotions it's also sometimes hard because a judge you know we, we have certain cases when some people said oh i want to donate my body to cryonics and be frozen to come back and then a judge would say oh no we don't allow cryonics cryonics isn't allowed everywhere for example france doesn't allow cryonics whatsoever in the entire country right so it's a donation you don't pay to get frozen no, there's got to be only five states. No, it, it's not. a. Uh, you generally do pay, but only five states allow you to actually cryogenically freeze your body. The only other method to do it is to sign what we call a document of gift, where you have to make a donation of your body to this cryonics facility, which then takes you. But you do have to pay them up that's, front and pay like an annual fee. Yeah. Oh, an annual fee. Wow. That's oh, crazy. Shit. Like, how long do you get? You pay, the, 20 the older, years. The older you get, the more, yeah, yeah. the older you get, the more you pay. Oh, that's so, so you're getting closer. You have to say <laughs> the people that get frozen don't believe that they're dead. They believe they call this. And I, I tend to agree. They call this the, the last, I guess, 
you know, the last part of emergency medicine. They believe that if they're going to be brought back to life one day, that death doesn't even really mean death in the terms that you might be thinking of it. They think it's they think cryonics is emergency medicine. Does death scare you, Zoltan? Does it scare you, the uh, thought of death? I mean, it scares me, but it's not like an overwhelming fear. I just, it's not existence that scares me. I, I, I just, I love life. I think it's great. And I want to continue it. You know, I, I just, I, I don't want to be nothing. But let me ask you something. I, I have more questions about this, but are you going, are you going to be what you look like right now as you age? Or are you going to be living forever and you're going to be like, Zoltan, the 2,000-year-old guy who's like creeps out the chicks at the party because he's like a 2,000-year-old dude. Well, this is, you know, the classic, one thing that everyone always does when they think about the future is they anthropomorphize it. They think of it in terms of the human being. And we, you have to understand, transhumanists believe that biology is totally frail and biology has to go completely. We must merge with machines to become stronger, a new stronger species. And so as soon as I can replace my arm electively, I'm going to do it. As soon as I can replace my heart, uh, I will do it. And all these things are coming. We already have well, 3D printed you know, tissues of organs and bionic organs and stuff like that. So actually, a lot of people you probably know already have something mechanical or machine-like in their bodies, especially older people. I, I think the future is all of us overwhelmingly, probably 100% within a century's time, become more machine robot-like and totally synthetic nothing biological anymore biology is designed to die yeah and so the big question is we're doing a a podcast next week on cloning cloning in hollywood which is a big uh conspiracy how do you how do you can they yet upload your consciousness to a robot to a, a computer um no not yet and to be honest they're not 100 percent sure if they can, the mind remains one of the most largely misunderstood things. It's just, it's a very complex organ, but we can already start uploading versions of our personality so that you could talk to a robot that has my voice, has certain ideas, and AI will take a lot of my tendencies and almost make it seem like you're talking to me, but it's not me in the sense that it knows it's really me yet. That'll be another 10 or 20 years. So how... How do you live on forever? Just by, if you, I mean, like we're seeing some people, they live on dementia hits. Maybe it's how they're, how they're eating wrong and stuff like that. Or maybe their personal habits are just genetics. But if you replace everything and and you still have your brain, how is that going to keep going? So let, yeah. So first off, one of the things they're trying to do is give us certain injections that would be genetic editing therapies, which are designed to restructure your DNA so it doesn't age. There are some animals that don't have the same aging tendencies that we have, so they're trying to introduce that into our bodies. A few of these experiments are already going. Another way that most people die, I mean, the main way most people die is actually through organ failure. So a lot of transhumans support um, basically bionic organs, and we have you know, bionic pancreas, uh, we have artificial lungs, we already have bionic hearts, but the newest method that I think is very interesting, you might just, for your, your listeners, a visual, is they're trying to, with stem cells, create brand new bodies that actually can almost replace limb for limb or tissue for tissue what you have. Like right now, we can already take your stem cells and put them in your body and recreate. And this is really interesting because 
if you just take skin cells from your cheek, that skin cell can then be converted into any other type of cell in your body. So let's say you have a problem with your heart, you would then convert it to heart cells and hopefully those will be rejuvenated. And maybe even that would be a way to treat Alzheimer's. They're experimenting with this right now as well, though it's inconclusive at the moment. So you are the guy who started the transhumanist party. What made you want to start that? Like, are you, how many people are in your party? Well, um, so I'm the founder of the Transhumanist Party, and we were trying to bring the very first science and technology political party to America. Um, you know, basically, when you hear politicians, all they want to do is really talk about taxes and immigration and things. Well, we feel like when they don't talk about some of the bigger issues at hand, like science, medicine, and technology, then they they don't they're missing a huge picture of what is changing. Um, you know, modern society. Right now, um, it's hard to know exactly how many members there are in the Transhumanist Party. I, um, after my 2016 campaign run, transferred the chairmanship over to um, uh, a gentleman named Gennady Stolarov, and um, he's been running it since. And, you know, the Transhumanist Party has grown internationally. There are now multiple na uh, international parties. So we're not sure how big or how powerful it is. And I don't want to pretend to you it's, it's <laughs> going to have very much state ballot access or anything like that. But... In media, it's made an important difference because finally there's a political party that always uses the scientific method to put forth a policy that, you know, most policies are based on heritage or history or ethnicity or whatever it is, in religion, whatever. But we put forth our policies based on what the scientific method would demand. Is science a religion? Is it the way we kind of tell people to believe all science and... Uh... When we later go back and kind of look at, like, it, well, yeah, we can see these results, but are we actually seeing the results or are we seeing the interpretation that the people who paid for the results want to see? Well, no, obviously, if the pharma companies are putting forth the, uh, you know, the, the, the test, then you, you, can never, you can never know for sure the truth. But I think science could be considered a religion in the sense that we're so passionate about it. The only difference is that science uses logic. And so... You, can, you can't trick yourself and say, oh, if something doesn't go right, you can may say, oh, there's a bridge because we have faith. In, in terms of science, if something fails, then the experiment has failed. And then you have to kind of go back to the drawing board. And that's really where science is very different than I'd say faith or, or politics. There's, it's just, it's math to many way, in many ways. Uh, yeah, I, I get kind of nervous with science because like, you know, it's an amazing thing, but also sometimes some dark stuff comes out from it. You know, it's like, you know, the nuclear, you know, nuclear bombs and and uh, there's a lot of diseases that are self-made to deal with population control. What is the trans humans uh, platform or is that covered in the Bill of Rights, the transhumanist Bill of Rights? Well, the Transhumanist Bill of Rights was delivered to the U.S. Capitol, you know, a few years ago and has now gone through multiple versions and it's quite complex. We're hoping the United Nations might include some of it at some point in their Universal Bill of Rights. But one of the important things, I think, from at least the transhumanist perspective is that we want to declare aging as a disease. And right now, the <laughs> National Institute of Health and government is really not giving any money towards you living longer. They give money to cancer and they give money to Alzheimer's but they don't give any money to making it so that you live longer. And we, if, if aging was declared a disease, as most transhumanists believe, then a huge amount of funding would then go towards defeating aging in itself. But uh, that's a questionable philosophical question whether, uh, you know, 
you think aging is a disease. Uh, transhumans do. So uh, what are some of the key points of the Bill of Rights? What are the big, the big points? Another Bill of Rights, and maybe like you just talked about with nuclear wars, a huge one is worrying about existential risk. We are worried about all sorts of diseases that can take over and kill you know, millions and millions of people. We're worried about asteroids hitting the planet. We're worried about you know, maybe global warming, things like that. I mean, we're worried about existential threats to the planet. So the Bill of Rights includes one that says governments must take existential threats seriously. You know, right now, if an asteroid was going to come and hit the planet, and, and believe me, there's so many out there. It's a, it's a statistical probability. Um, we have very little defense. Just tens of millions of dollars are spent to monitor that stuff. You would think with the $400 trillion, $400 trillion out there, essentially, in the world, that we would spend more time monitoring the actual overall health of the species and worry about existential risk. But unfortunately, very little is paid to that. They worry more about walls and more about all the other little things instead of worrying about actually protecting the species as a whole. Can your arm or whatever body part of a transhumanist you get, can it get hacked? Like, can your arm start moving by itself? Or oh, yeah, like, you know, butts you're fondling with... yourself and it's yeah. like, wrong program, wrong program. See, that sounds scary too, though, if it can get hacked or or you can... So the, the great story, and you guys might know this, is that Dick Cheney had um, a, essentially kind of a heart valve and anytime he would go to speak publicly, he had to turn off the Wi-Fi capabilities on his heart valve because he was afraid somebody would hack him in the middle of a speech and eventually just turned off the Wi-Fi entirely. Why does but a that- pacemaker have Wi-Fi? What are you getting? What are you getting Netflix on your heart? <laughs> well, you know, so at this point, some of the new bionic hearts can actually be sped up with your phone. Uh, you know, like if you want to run or do something else, or if they can be turned down if you want to sleep. You have a so there's a whole bunch of things. Running. Yeah, it's just weird. So how how do you think this all? What's it going to take for you, Zoltan, to implement all this stuff? What what event has to happen for this to go? Okay, man, we got to listen to these transhumanists. Uh, what? How do you see this? Is it ever going to be implemented? Uh, imply uh, applied to reality yeah well i think it is it's really just a matter of making all this stuff affordable you know you're asking the question that they asked about the cars when cars first approach and i just saw a video the other night said oh no cars will ever replace horse carriages what people don't realize is that we will all have bionic arms at some point because if you don't you won't be competitive and you won't have a job this podcast you're doing in a studio in 20 years you're not going to need a studio it's all going to be done from here with a headset and we'll visually understand each other through brain waves and things like that so we're coming to a future when if you don't do those things people might not listen because they want the newest and the coolest new technology that's out there we're compelled by um, to embrace this technology because it's functional as we've always been compelled to take this this technology it's interesting dude it's interesting. You know, I hear a lot about like robots replacing like they say in like 20 or 30 years, robots are going to replace like 40 percent of the workforce. And I'm just like, OK, but who's going to have money to buy anything like you? It's like this weird symbiotic thing that we need where it's like I have to have a job. So I purchase stuff so that I can so I can make money to purchase the products. You know who did it right? Henry Ford, when he made his cars, he made it affordable where the buyer could, where the worker could buy it. 
but barely live for it where you have to buy a new one. Yeah. He did it right where he made it barely enough where you could buy it as yeah, a worker so our, because what's the point if the worker can't buy it? But my, yeah, they're, I mean, they're talking about getting rid of like drive. I mean, like how many people make money driving Uber, taxis, buses, you know, they're talking Truck about drivers. those jobs are gone in a few years. You know, the way, the way we saw that in Silicon Valley and at the transhumanist party was with a universal basic income, um, you know, that essentially pays everyone a living wage. But the problem with that is that you can never rise higher and then the rich remain rich and the poor just remain where now they are. Now we got a caste system like India. I yeah, just think yeah. it's interesting. I think we get a little. So you ran for governor, you ran for president. How did it go? <clears throat> well, the presidency was great because we were trafficking either fifth or sixth through much of the campaign in terms of media coverage. And, you know, we had the New York Times with us. We had, uh, I mean, we had all the major you know, uh, I guess media organizations following our campaign. The governor run not so successful because uh, under the libertarian banner, it just um, they don't have any in real good infrastructure in California. It's hard to hard to make inroads in a very blue state. Um, and you know, we'll see how 2020 goes and what you know if I decide to do that and how that works and who I'll run with. Um, I'm not. It's not necessarily. Uh, I'm not really beholden to parties. I'm beholden to science. And technology for me it's really about spreading a message and maybe i'll win in 20 years but i have no uh, illusions to win anytime soon so my uh because i know you got a jam here in a few uh tell me how you're going to deal with traffic if nobody <laughs> dies there's going to be people everywhere there's going to be lines everywhere. There's going to be traffic everywhere. There's going to be everything. And then the natural process of, you know, XG is younger than me. The natural process of life is that XG would eventually replace me. As I get older, the newer generation kind of takes and they're supposed to take care of the older generation. But if I'm, I got all this knowledge in my head, and not, but now I got a new body, he never gets the rise. Because he can't compete because I have all the experience and I'm only gaining new experience. So how do you deal with that? Well, so I have two daughters, an eight-year-old and a four-year-old. And honestly, my wife and I argue all the time whether they should be playing piano and we're teaching them piano. And the reason is, is because there's a very good chance based on the trajectory of technology and, and the history of the microprocessor that we'll be able to download matrix style how to play piano within 20 I'm gonna years. I'm going to be too old for this. I'm going to be so pissed, man. That no, you're going to be in time to just download it all. You'll still be able to play Mozart's Symphony huh? perfectly. But I just want to do that. Just, is, boom, I know jujitsu. You know, that's what I want. Yeah, no. And we think with it, you know, Matrix style stuff should be here within 20 years. The real question is do kids even go to college when they can do that? And can only the rich, what kind of education do you download? And how much information do you have? Are you always connected in the cloud? Are we in a hive mind? Are we doing this podcast 100% in our brains? And the reality is that makes a lot of functional sense, economic sense too, because it's less energy, less equipment. So the real question is, but you know, it's not you. It's, it's, it's gonna be, it's, you, right now it's like you're a human being, but we're all gonna be interconnected. It's gonna be a very different kind of experience, I'd say. It's interesting, man. It's both exciting and scary. scary. Yeah, it's scary. You know, if you tell me I can download jujitsu, I'm willing to listen. But then I, so am I. And then what? We just fight each other and no one wins? Yeah, I like that. <laughs> no, but I like it. I like the thought of that. I mean, I'm, I want to take jujitsu. I'm just old and too busy. But um, man, it's crazy, dude. I think this is wonderful. 
I love the fact that you, you know, you, you're doing your thing. And I think that's great. And uh, when you go and you're on the campaign, I hope you can come back and we could talk some issues and how, you know, how is the transhumanist party going to deal with the stuff that the two-headed snakes of the Republican Democrats have kind of got us in this quagmire and uh, how we're not going to get out because we need the people who are there to make the change and it's too busy. So my question is, are you for term limits? Uh, 100% for term limits. I'd say that's one of the biggest things I've been pushing. I push it in both my campaigns too. It's absurd. This is the problem is that we have these really old and and frankly, um, very white, Male senators completely dominating Congress. And what we need is an influx of new blood. Like I said, half those people in Congress don't even know how to use a computer. How can they make decisions for us younger people who are in a technological age? I don't so know why term limits we allow Congress and Senate to have lifetime, be able to run for a lifetime while the president gets eight years. Governors get like two terms and like everybody else has two, three terms at the most. But for some reason, we have this one group of people who seem to be rotten to the core. You know, and they go there. I think they go there honestly with like, I want to help. And then they just see how it goes and just checks keep getting handed to them. And they're just like, oh, why would I ever want to ruin well, this? The, well, that's why transhumanism is scary because those motherfuckers just take taking in. They'll stay there because it's a lot. Lo- well, if he gets yeah, his way, they wouldn't be change. able to. But that's why we need term limits. If we had term limits, new blood would flow through the system and rejuvenate itself. Well, my friend Zoltan, you came, you saw, you kicked a lot of ass and we uh, appreciate you. Thank you for coming on our little show and uh, we look forward to hearing more from you and if you do run, please come back and we'll talk some more politics, man. I appreciate you. Thanks for coming on the show, Zoltan. Hey, thanks you guys for having me. It's been great. All right, man. Hey, Zoltan had the jam. That's why the show's a little uh, a little uh, short today. But the last one was a little longer the than usual. The last one was so, so it all works out. works out. You guys are great. I love you guys. Check out the shirts. Come see us live. We love you guys. We'll see you guys soon. Keep fighting the fight and questioning everything.